Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Stephen and Lucy. Thank you, Stephen, for filling in for Pastor Parker today. He is um, in New York, and uh, so you pray for them as they'll be traveling back uh, from New York tomorrow. Uh, They had a uh, concert tour uh, there in New York that was already scheduled prior to uh, him becoming the uh, assistant pastor here. He has one more uh, that he'll be going to in a few weeks, and so uh, I'm thankful for Stephen and uh, others that step in and fill Fill the gap while he's away. Uh, Today is the day that uh, I have been praying about and thinking about and uh, contemplating over for several months uh, through the summer about where God is going to take uh, North Point and uh, where he is going to lead us and take us to the next point in the stage of our church Uh, We have uh, been together now over a year, and uh, we have uh, dealt with the uh, concept of unification, and uh, I'm thankful that as a church, we are a church that stands united, we are a church that uh, uh, is on board with each other, and so now I've been praying about what the next step is, and and I prayed about this for some time, and, and, and God never really uh, uh, implanted it or, or told me uh, or, or shared with me what he thought. And, and uh, the months got closer and closer, and I thought, okay, Lord, uh, i got to have something to preach here in a few weeks. <laughs> and uh, I said, so we got to figure this out. And of all places where it happened was in a barber shop. Now... There's a lot of things that go on in barber shops. But I'm sitting down and I had one of my shirts on that say North Point Baptist Church on them. And I walked in and I did my, my always I had the same routine. I walk in, the, the, the um, person that's cutting my hair will greet me. I'll greet her back or him back. And, and I'll take my glasses off and I'll put them down. I'll take my keys out of my pocket and I'll put them down. And I'll take my cell phone out and I'll put it down. That way, if I leave... I, can't, I won't forget my keys or my cell phone because I can't see anything. So I take them all off, put them down. And she, I, I sit down, it's a lady today, and I sit down, and, and she goes, how would you like your hair cut? And I told her, and uh, she said, great. Now, I'd had a long day. It was the end of the day, and uh, she says to me, she says, so you go to North Point? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, I do. And uh, she says, uh, well, I'd like to tell you a few things about that church. I'm all ears. I'm all ears. So, you know, it takes about 15 minutes or so to cut my hair. And that's about how long it took for her to tell me about the church. Now, I hadn't told her that I was the pastor of the church. She just asked me if I went there. So, at the conclusion of her conversation with me, I, this, is, this is the honest truth. If I'm lying, I'm dying, I'm telling you right now. I'm sitting in this chair, I'm facing the mirror, you know. She's on this side, she's on this side, she cuts the back. She takes the little thing off, you know, that supposedly covers the hair from getting all over you. And uh, she gets the razor out and she's about to do the tickle spot on the back. You know the tickle spot back here? So she's about to do that, and I turn around before she does it, and I said, oh, by the way, my name's Lee Wimberly. I'm the pastor of North Point Baptist Church. It was silence. It's like something came over her. 
What I, didn't for, what I forgot about is that she's got a razor in her hand. And she still has the back, back of my neck to cut. And uh, she said, oh. She said, well, that's great. And I said, I said, you know, I said, it's funny that we should have this conversation. This is honest true. This is what I told her. I said, it's funny that we should have the conversation because I've been asking God to use somebody to tell me what I'm supposed to preach on for the next year. And she goes, he used me? <laughs> and I said, well, as a matter of fact, he kind of did. And um, I told her, I said, you know, I said... You've told me a lot of things. Some of them were positive. Some of them were negative. She actually was a member uh, here at one time. I didn't know that until after we had concluded our conversations. And this is what I said to her. I said, ma'am, I said, the positive things that you've told me and the things that you've told me to be somewhat of a negative stance about our church I said, that's not who we are anymore. I said, the Lord has allowed our church to come from a place that was, it was difficult to a place now that I think that maybe, just maybe, it's time that people within our community realize that we've changed. And then I said this. I said a lot of good things have happened through the years. I said God has brought us from a church on West Car- at West Carrollton Baptist Church in a little church. And then he took that little church and he grew it and he made it a little bit bigger. I said then he took that church and it was so big that they couldn't fit in there anymore. And he, and he, and he gave the pastor a vision and they built a big church. I said, they built that big church, and God brought people, and, and, and God started, was able to help them start a school. They started a school, and, and God brought them from that place to now. A, a name changed from West Carrollton Baptist Church to North Point Baptist Church, and he planted them eight years ago at the corner of Cedar Street and the Bypass. I said, and, and, and God allowed our church to grow and go through a lot of situations within those past eight years. I said, but now as we stand and I sit here and as you cut my hair, it was almost as if God reached down to me and said, Lee, that is where you need to go and that is where the church needs to go over the next year. It's now time to take what we have as an excitement and as what we have is what God is doing in the, in, the, in the four walls of this building. And it is time to reach out. It is time to take it to another level. It's time to begin to, as Stephen and Lucy just sang, it's time for each of us to reach. It's time for us to take the excitement and the buildup and the things that are happening within this church and to spread it out to Carrollton and Villarica and Bowden and Bremen and uh, Noonan and all the surrounding areas because what I want them and our community to know is that it is no longer about North Point Baptist Church. It is no longer about our past. It is really no longer about our future. It is about Jesus Christ.
I don't want people to know me as, as who I am because I am nothing without the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want people to know uh, uh, the name of a particular person in our church or a particular program that we have in our church. I want people to know that if Christ is lifted up, all men will be drawn unto him. And we need to reach out and that's what we need to tell people. And so today I want to challenge you in a way that I've never challenged you before in a way that I believe that, that God has challenged me in the fact that now it's time to, to go beyond who we are, to go beyond any capacity that we think that we could have, and reach out into our community and tell them, listen, it is now all about Jesus Christ and what he is doing in the midst of our congregation and in the midst of of this place. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter number two. Uh, uh, Tyler, would you click that first slide for me? Acts chapter number two is uh, where we're at today. Uh, not that one, the very first one. Thank you. This morning as we meet here together, I believe that we are on the launching uh, pad to one of the most amazing and exciting God moment years in the history of North Point Baptist Church. The next step after the launching pad will be igniting the boosters for takeoff. And for the sake of illustration this morning, I want you to know that we are the boosters. We are it. We are the excitement for the whole year. It starts today. It starts with catching the vision. It starts with catching the mission. It starts with the idea that, that here we are. We are literally sitting on the launching pad of what God is going to do. And now we just have to attach ourselves to the rocket, which is God, and be the boosters because we are the excitement for the whole year. I believe the only way that this is going to happen is by starting revival in our hearts. Let me try that again. I believe the only way this is going to happen is by starting revival in our hearts. I believe with all my heart that that is a word that has escaped our society, has escaped our churches. It's a word that we hardly ever even talk about anymore because there are so many other ritualistic programs and so many other things that churches do. But I'm going to tell you right now, as I look back at the book of Habakkuk and I see what God did in his life and in the life of nations with Jonah and other people, I believe that the heartbeat of God is that we begin a revival within ourselves and then allow to spread throughout all of our community by getting excited about the Lord and what he can do through us we can do our part reaching our community for Jesus Christ I do not want to look back and think if only I would have gotten more involved if only I would have served more if only I would have been filling the blank today I want us to make the commitment that will last all year and say yes to God as I you're talking about individually and personally reach. So how do we prepare for the Lord to work in our hearts over the next year? I want us to look at some simple thoughts. Nothing that you've not heard before, but just a reiteration of the things that maybe you've heard before and a new excitement in your life that I believe will help us spark a revival in our hearts. If you have your Bibles, if you're standing with me, Acts chapter number 2 this morning. I apologize to you, um, most of you are leaning this way this morning because of the screens. Um, I apologize, technology is great when it works, and when it doesn't, it just doesn't. And um, so our screen decided to have a mind of its own this morning, and uh, we'll get that fixed uh, uh, before next week. Acts chapter number 2, we're going to start reading in verse number 1. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, the Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come... 
they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling, or excuse me, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And when they and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, "Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how uh, hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born?" And then I want you to uh, jump down with me to uh, verse number uh, forty. Let's see here, verse number forty-three. The Bible says this: "And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common." And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Uh, uh, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Verse number 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Bible says, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. Lord, I pray that you'll bless the few moments that we have together. May our hearts be stirred today as they've never been stirred before. Lord, may you take the words that you have uh, so uh, burdened on my heart this morning, and may I be able to relay them in such a way that give understanding and give uh, 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 my heart and, and the heart that I believe that you have for our church to our people. And God, I just pray today that we'll be moved by the Holy Spirit of God. We invite you into this place Uh, Lord, we invite you to do things like you've never done before so that we can see people come to know you as as their personal Savior. Lord, we love you, but most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy Son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of taking notes, uh, there's an outline on the back of your bulletin, and uh, you'll be able to follow along. Number one, revival is possible when we are spiritually prepared. Revival is possible when we are spiritually prepared. Acts chapter number two, verse number one, the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. I believe with all my heart, revival is possible in our hearts when we are spiritually prepared for revival to take place. It had been 50 days since the Passover when the day of Pentecost came, and the upper room was filled with 120 people all in one accord. This is to say that they were all of one mind. I don't know about you, but getting 120 people in one place and them all getting along and having the same thought process is quite a challenge. But can I tell you, when God is in the midst of it and people decide that they are going to serve the Lord and not only going to serve the Lord with gladness, not only going to serve the Lord with gladness, but they're going to do it with their whole heart, they can be in one accord. And they can be spiritually prepared for what God has for them. In other words, 
For us to be prepared for revival, we must be all on the same team spiritually. And I believe with all my heart that God has allowed this to happen over the past year, and we are ready to reach together. If you're visiting with us today, I want to just kind of preface and apologize to you as I preach this morning. I'm preaching uh, to the heart of our people uh, because we are in a a pivotal place in the the life of our church. And so don't feel like that I'm I'm going around you, and I, I I appreciate you being here today. And by the way, if you don't have a home church, jump on board. We'd love to have you. Uh, but this is where we're at. We are in, in, a, in a pivotal moment here of where God has brought our church to where we are today. And I believe that we are ready to reach together. Would you say amen to that? I believe we're ready for it. We need to begin right now preparing our hearts and our lives for revival and preparing our, our church as a unified unit for revival. Here's the honest truth. If you don't get on board, you're going to be left behind. It's time that we buy in. It's time that we go all in. It's time that we, we, we say we're no longer going to be a, 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 a partial involvement. We're no longer going to be a, a just a little bit involved. We are going to be fully engaged in the work of God. First of all, in order for that to happen, there has to be a personal cleaning or a cleansing. There has to be a personal cleansing in our lives. I don't know anybody get mad at me this morning. Um, but I, I really feel like that, that it begins on a personal level if we are going to allow revival to happen in our lives. The Bible says in Psalm 51, verse 10 through 12, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not the Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. I believe with all my heart that if we are going to experience revival, it starts in our own heart. Susanna Wesley, her son John Wesley, a name that you've probably heard before, John asked her mom, what is sin? Suzanne said this, Susanna said this, whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, and takes off the relish of spiritual things, that to you is sin. And I can't think of a better definition. It, it is a, 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 a moment where we have, we have decided to put something or someone in front of God that is going to obscure our sense of who God is. We need to ask the Lord to help us remove any unclean things from our hearts. And then when he does that, we need to ask him to restore the joy that we lost because of areas in our lives that hinder our relationship with him, which in turn hinders our joy. How many of you sitting under my voice today remember that day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Can I hear that by testimony? Can I, do you remember that day? I remember what my day was like. I remember as I bowed my head, closed my eyes, and I invited Jesus Christ into my life at 13 years old. I didn't have, I didn't feel like uh, uh, some people that had the huge weight of the world upon them. But I do remember opening my eyes that moment and there being a joy that flooded my soul that I just wanted to go tell somebody about and I don't know about you but I want that joy that moment that experience that I've had with God at the age of 13 to be in my life every single day because I'm going to tell you the joy of the Lord is our strength it's everything about us And I want God to restore that joy. And the way that he does that is by removing anything in our lives that hinders us from uh, speaking and being in a relationship with him. 
When there is a removal of sin, then excitement and revival can once again enter our lives because of the joy that the Lord gives to us. If you're a Christian today, know that Jesus Christ wants you to have this intimate relationship with him that is absent from sin. You're glad we're moving past that one. Number two, a public connection. We not only have a personal cleansing but a public connection. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? A public connection. Well, uh, they, the Bible says that they were all in one accord. Uh, the Bible says in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1 that when, they, when the Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. We are a team at North Point Baptist Church, and we know that because together everyone accomplishes more. That's not something new. That's an old adage, but I'm telling you, it is a true adage. Are you with me today? Together, everyone accomplishes more. We have to have everybody on the team. We have to have everybody in the game doing their part. I want us to take it a step further because I want us to involve everyone. So I have a question today. Are you in? Some of you are looking at that going, do we need to run? Is he trying to get us to exercise? What's going on? No, the question is, is are you in? Are you in? Are you ready to take that next step and be that team player and, and, and go for it? I was sitting at Carrollton uh, 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 Elementary the other day, and, and I was going to pick up my two youngest sons. And uh, there were these flags everywhere as you drove along. And I thought, what well, I wonder what all these flags are for. And I'm sitting there, and I think I was uh, communicating with someone. And all of a sudden, I saw this group of boys run by. Then about 30 seconds later, there was a group of girls that ran by. And then a couple of seconds later, there was one girl. Then one boy, and they were getting it. And finally, I asked my oldest son, I said, what are they doing? He said, that's cross country. I said, I'm... I'm tired just watching them. You know, I mean, they were just going at it. But I, what I found to be interesting is as I was watching them, I hope, I hope I wasn't creeping on them or anything, but as I was watching them, it was interesting to note that they were all in groups, most of them. And as they were running together, it was like they were encouraging one another to keep going. Right? As we got closer to the school, and we were kind of around the corner, there was a group of them, and they were all running together. And there was one young man that was kind of lagging behind a little bit, and I watched this happen right in front of my eyes. I watched one of the boys that were running turn around and say something to him. I don't know what he said, but all of a sudden, that boy got a little bit of oomph in his life and pulled right up with the rest of the group. You know what that, guy, that, that young man was doing? He turned around, and he encouraged him. He turned around, and he said, hey, come be a part of the group. We're all doing this together. Don't lag behind. Don't, 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 uh, don't give up. Just keep running. So this morning, I want us as a church, as, a, as, a, as North Point Baptist Church, to say, hey, we are in this thing together. We are all in it together. And if one of, them starts, one of us starts lagging behind, let's be an encouragement. Let's say, hey, we're not doing this separately. We are doing this together. Are you in? 
Do not say someone else will hand out those flyers or someone else will do that task. Let's all pitch in and do it together. Because when God blesses, and I know that he will, won't it be awesome to say that everyone had a part? We can all take ownership. We can all say we did this together. So this morning we need to be spiritually prepared for the celebration that is about to take place here at our church and have revival in our hearts and in our lives. Number two. Revival is possible when we have concern for others. Revival is possible when we have concern for others. Verse number four, the Bible says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Uh, Now when this was noised abroad, I love that phrase. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Now, I don't want you to uh, uh, mistranslate this passage of Scripture uh, and we're going to look at it together. But revival uh, uh, is possible when we have concern for others. After receiving the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, the group present began to speak in different languages and dialects. This is not to say that they were speaking in tongues, but rather they were speaking in their own native language. Verses number 9 through 11, we just read that. People from around the region came because they heard something was happening and wanted to see it for themselves. You say, why? Because people have a natural curiosity when excitement begins to happen around them. How many of you like to be in an exciting place? I mean, you like to be in exciting things. Um, last night, a, a, a good indication that people enjoy being in exciting places. There were several games happening yesterday that should have been no problem, football games. But people were all around their TV sets, probably did not have any nails by the time the games were over because they were so close. And then immediately, whenever the last touchdown occurred and the team won, guess what happened after that? Facebook blew up. Everybody started posting their team's logo that they had won. And everybody's wondering, who is this other team? What happened? Excitement. Everybody came together. There were people all across this world doing the same thing at the exact same moment because of the excitement that surrounded the event. People are naturally curious about that. And the same thing happens in the church. When people begin to talk about what God is doing, when people begin to talk about exciting things that are happening, people are going to immediately and automatically say, hey, tell me a little bit more about that. I want to know a little bit more about that. That sounds exciting. People came from all over the region. Letter A, a concern for the lost. It starts with a concern for the lost in our life that we can have revival the Bible says in Matthew 18, 11, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 18, which is one of my favorite verses, and I know I say that all the time. Uh, in the Bible, the Bible says, where there is no, let's do that again. Where there is no, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. 
There has got to be a vision in our hearts and in our lives for the lost. We need to see people as God sees them. They're lost. They're in need of a Savior. Jesus Christ had this vision in mind when he sent his only son to die on the cross. Can I remind you today that you were once that which was lost? Are you with me? Have you forgotten where God has brought you from to where you are today? You were once that which was lost. I don't know about you, but I'm glad somebody told me about the risen Savior. I'm thankful somebody told me that Jesus Christ loved me so much that he went to the cross to die for me. I was once that person, that which was lost, but now I'm found. But now I'm found. And can I tell you that as much as America says that they're a godly nation, there are lost people right across the street from you. There are lost people all over your workplace. There are lost people at the haircuttery. There's lost people everywhere. We just need to take a moment. That's why over the next year, you're going to see a lot of these uh, flyers and stuff that we'll have to hand out like we have for next Sunday, for Back to Church Sunday. Why? Because they're, they're, they're easy things to just leave at a table, to just leave on your neighbor's door, to just plant a seed into somebody's heart. So that they can come hear the truth of Jesus Christ. This revival that is dormant in your soul will ignite when we have a concern to see the sinner saved. I love this illustration. I couldn't wait to get to it. Here it comes. Christ met unbelievers where they were. He realized that when we, he realized what we need to realize. Cultivators have to get out in the field. According to one count, you ready for this? The gospel record records 132 contacts that Jesus had with people. Six were in the temple or in the church. Four were in the synagogues. And 122 were out with the people in the mainstream of life. Jesus went to the people. Listen to me. He did not wait for them to come to him they, he went out where they are, and that's what we have to do. Let it be a concern to see salvation spread. A concern to see salvation spread. So revival is possible when we have a concern for the lost and we have a concern to see salvation spread. Mark chapter 16 and verse number 15, he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every what? To every creature, to every person. And we have a tendency to say, well, that's missions. And that's why we have missionaries. And we'll send the missionaries out there. Listen, every creature is the person across the street. Every creature is the person at your workplace. Every creature is the people that you're among week in and week out. They are creatures too. Just like you were. The Lord wants us to have a vision for the whole world. He wants us to see more than just these four walls. He wants us to see people through the heart and the eyes of Jesus. During the reign of Oliver Cromwell, there was a shortage of currency in the British Empire. Representatives carefully searched the nation in hopes of finding silver to meet the emergency. 
After one month, the committee returned with this report. I love this. It says, we have searched the empire in vain, seeking to find silver. To our dismay, we found none anywhere except in the cathedrals where the statues of the saints are made of choice silver. To this, Oliver Cromwell eloquently answered, let's melt down the saints and put them into circulation. I love it. Let's melt down those saints and put them into circulation. Listen to me this morning. That is what revival is all about. It's about putting ourselves into circulation with the gospel of Jesus Christ and showing people the love of Christ. Having concern for the loss and a concern for spreading the gospel. Number three, and I'm done. When revival is possible, or revival is possible when we are willing to pay the price. When we're willing to pay the price. Uh, verses number 43 through verse number 47. You see the people gathering together in the book of Acts chapter number 2. And they're experiencing revival like revival has never happened before. And the people began to say, we are going to make the sacrifices in order for revival to continue. Revival is possible when we are willing to pay the price. The great event of Pentecost did not stop with Peter preaching and 3,000 joining the church. This was only the beginning. They continued steadfast, eating. They must have been Baptists, praying, etc. Incidentally, one commentator says that the selling of their possessions was to help each other during the economic boycott that the Jews placed upon the Christians. That's the reason that they needed to pay the price. That's the reason they needed to make the sacrifice. Revival, listen to me, if you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to get this. Revival isn't to bring the lost to Christ. That is the result of revival. Revival is what the word implies, reviving God's people. When we become revived, we will honor God in everything that we do. Revival is possible with, if we're willing to make a personal price. If we're willing to pay a personal price, there will be a price to pay when we decide to have revival in our hearts and in our church. There is much work to be accomplished. There is much work to be accomplished. This morning, I just want to share a few things with you about this. Uh, again, I, I'm just sharing with you my heart. And if you're visiting with us today, just please know that, that this is just my heart sharing with our church. This morning, as you arrived today and, and you got in your seat and you got comfortable and uh, you are ready to worship God with music and now uh, with preaching, there's a building that sits adjacent to our building. It's called the A Building. And they are having um, a great time over there in that A Building right now. And that's why you can come here and listen to the preaching of the Word of God. Because someone or some people are over in that A Building and they're sacrificing their time to be with those children. And then you'll go home today, and as they get in the car, your children get in the car, they'll have papers, and they'll have all kinds of stuff that they've done during church. And you'll begin to look at those things, and you'll begin to examine them, and you'll begin to ask questions. What did you learn in church today? And you'll see all those things that they've learned, because someone took the time to teach them. There's much work to be done. And then you leave that building and you head over to the B building. Now, that's an exciting building. This morning, it's so exciting that we had to open up a new nursery. By the way, we've done that now twice in a year. 
And so we, we open up a new nursery and now we have the little bitty babies that, you know, everybody likes to hold and cuddle. And then you got those that aren't quite walking. They're crawling all around. They're in a room all by themselves and now. And then you got the ones that are walking around. Boy, they're fun, let me tell you. And, uh, and uh, it just keeps going from there. Then they leave that room and they go over to uh, another room. They're getting a little bit bigger and now uh, uh, they're learning. Uh, 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 I'm in the Lord's army. I love when my sons come home and they start singing songs that they learned in Sunday school or in church. They don't quite have all the words, but they put words in there. It's great. I love it. You know what that tells me? Someone is investing. And they're doing it while you're in here. They're working. They're making it happen. You're going down the hallway a little bit further in that B building. And uh, you get over there to where those four and five year olds and it really gets fun. I mean, they're trying to climb over the gates. And you walk over there, and the workers are on the floor, and they're playing cars and trucks. And then they stop for a moment, and they say, you know, Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man like you. And he climbed up in that sycamore tree. And Jesus said, hey, I'm going to dine at your house today. So they come home, and they tell you, hey, Jesus had dinner with somebody. And he was a little guy. Someone is investing. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? There is much work to be accomplished, not to be dreaded. Are you with me? Not not to say, oh, it's my turn again. (laughs) No. No. It's my turn again, right? I get to go. I get to play. I get to have fun so that somebody else can go worship. And then it'll be my turn to go worship again while they come in here. You know what's really cool is when you really take ownership to it and you go over there and worship with them. You teach them how to worship. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to tell you the honest truth. When my kids don't wake up and go to school, when they wake up and they say, Daddy, are we going to school today? And I say, no, we're not going to school today. We're going to church, right? No, today's not church or school. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm going to go to church. And then, and then they'll begin to call you by name. I'm serious. They'll say, I want to go see. And they'll... Put your name in there. And they'll say, but I miss. And they'll put your name in there. And then when church is all over today, especially my little Matt and I, my little Matt and I is four years old, he'll come running into me and he'll hug me. He'll hug me and this is what he'll say to me. Daddy, I had fun in church today. He's getting that real George accent. I had fun in church today, Daddy. You talk to him, you'll know it, I'm telling you. You guys are wearing off on him. There's an investment. Look at me right here for a moment. Look at me right here. I want to tell you thank you for that investment. I want to tell you thank you. Because you are, you are securing what I'm teaching in my home. 
you are taking it and you are saying, hey, what your dad and mom are trying to teach you at home, it really is true. It really is what we're supposed to do. Now, are my kids always easy to get along with? Don't answer that question. No. They have bad days. They have crying days. You know about those. Just like other children do. But all I got to do is say, hey, we're going to go to church. Do you want to see? And I'll plug a name in and I'll get big eyes. And all the tears will be wiped away. And they'll say, Daddy, let's go to church. It's called an investment. Why? Because there's much work to be accomplished. And can I tell you, if there were other parents standing up here today that had the same opportunity that I do week in and week out, they'd tell you the same thing. But listen to me. With the much work can be a revival in our hearts. If we'll take the outlook of it's not a job. It's not an obligation. It's not a, it's not a, a, a huge load. But rather we take it as an opportunity. We take it as their lives will be changed because of an investment. I'm telling you, everything in your outlook will change. There is much work to be accomplished. I love what Nehemiah says. Nehemiah says, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together into the half thereof. Why? For the people had a mind to what? Had a mind to work. We have to be willing to work together in order to accomplish the task at hand. This will, be a, this will cost us some man hours, but great things can be accomplished. Work in the church can sometimes be a bad four-letter word, but the bottom line is the only things that are done for Christ are the ones that are going to last forever. Letter B, there, has, there, there will be a possession price. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we talked about this and you've responded. And you've responded in a big way. And I'm so thankful for, as your pastor, how you're responding. And because of your response, and because of your willingness to continue your faithfulness and giving, we're going to be able to do the things that we desire to do over the next year at our church, as long as we remain faithful and paying the price that it costs in order for revival to begin. In order to spread the gospel, we're going to have to give of our resources. In our passage of scripture, it says that they sold their possessions and goods and parted them. And this is sacrificial giving, what we've been talking about. Letter C. This is one that I want to kind of key in on for a moment. A prayerful price. I promise you, I'm almost done. A prayerful price. I want you to look at me this morning for just a moment. Prayer is the greatest asset a Christian has. Prayer is not only the greatest asset a Christian has, it is the greatest asset a church has. I believe with all my heart that prayer is the key to revival. It is getting close to God, finding out the heart of God, and praying that God would take his heart and transplant it into your heart for the same type of revival. We need to sacrifice and make time to pray for this time. This should be a time of personal prayer as well as for what is going to take place at North Point Baptist Church. It is a prayerful time. We are going to have, and I'm going to talk to you about this right now, we're going to have a 36-hour 
prayer vigil beginning on Friday evening, this coming Friday evening at 9 o'clock p.m. and ending at 9 o'clock a.m. right here in this sanctuary on Sunday morning of next week. We need someone praying every hour for this coming Sunday. So my question is, is that will you join us? We've had many that have already signed up online that have said we will uh, uh, be involved in that prayer vigil. It is available to you to sign up at our website. It's also available at our Welcome Center. Listen, it is time that we pray that God will do something in our midst like he's never done before. Don't lose me. We're almost done. We need to pray that God will do something in, our, in the midst of our church like he's never done before. Can you imagine if we as a church petitioned God every single hour for 36 hours what God can do? 36 hours of people that are all connected to North Point Baptist Church praying that God would do something in this place. And I'm telling you, God will not have a choice but to answer us. Because that's the God who I serve. Will you join us in praying beginning at 9 o'clock next Friday night, or this coming Friday night, until 9 o'clock a.m. And we will all meet, those that are able to, at 9 o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning right here before our breakfast of Back to Church Sunday and pray that God would do something in this place. You say, Pastor, are we praying for a big number? No, I don't believe in praying for numbers. I believe in praying for people, for praying for their hearts, praying that God would change people's hearts. That's what we're praying for. These men and women in our passage of scripture gave themselves over completely to God in order to accomplish this task at hand. It was a great price, but it was a great cause. In closing, I think it's time that we spark a revival in our church. And I believe the ingredients to spark that revival are found in the word of God. When I started this message this morning, I started with the idea uh, that we are on the launching pad and that we are the boosters. The only thing that, once we're attached to the rocket, the only thing that's left is someone has to ignite it. Someone has to spark it. So you say, Pastor, how do we spark it? Here it is, and I'm done. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will turn from their, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their Land. I believe the spark is right here in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 14. I believe, first of all, they're subduing ourselves. But my people which are called by my name will humble themselves. We have to subdue ourselves. We have to be humble, knowing what God is going to do. Not only do we have to be humble, but we have to be filled with prayer, having that prayerful relationship with God. Not only do we have to have prayer, we have to approach. We have to seek God's face like we've never seeked him before. And then we have to repent of anything that's in our lives, that God will remove it from us so that we can be in perfect relationship with him. And then when we've done all of that, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. We won't have a choice but to kneel. Bowing down before him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and begging him to spark a revival at North Point Baptist Church. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? You've listened so well. Thank you so much.